What in the world is going on with that video? If you guys, if you guys have, um, if you have seen or heard or listened to last week's sermon, or maybe you were here, we we started diving into something really, really neat. And I know some of you think the only thing that I say is this is my favorite part of the Bible. It just keeps getting better every week. Because the more that I study, the more that God reveals to me, and it's a really, it's a really, it's a really great thing. This week we're going to dive into something. We're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, some of my favorite interests, and we're going to see if we match. Okay, we're going to see if we match. But I, first, I have I have two things that I'd like to mention this morning. We have two announcements. Uh, if you if you have an infant, uh, a baby that's nursing, you will notice that our black. Our black sectioned off place is now gone. Um, if, you, if you are nursing a baby, please feel free. If, if they get hungry, you walk out those doors. You go to the security, uh, the security thing at the Kids Rock area. You go in the first door on your left. And you have a private room with a lounger, footrest. And it's nice and quiet. And it's peaceful. And there's curtains. And uh, it's just a, a place that you can go. You can feed your baby and you can relax. So we wanted to just make that for you, but I wanted to make it known so you didn't come in and go, oh, great. I don't have anywhere to feed my kid now. No, you do. It's, it's back there. Uh, also, another thing that I want to uh, ask you to prayerfully consider, and, and, and the contact for this is me, okay? You need to come to me. But we have, uh, we have been very blessed uh, in the past years of having uh, Julie lead our Kids Rock program. And uh, it's, it's a time in her life where she's, she wants to step down. So we're looking for a new Kids Rock leader. Okay? And you've got you to gotta, you gotta be... I don't know if you have to be crazy or not. But you've got to like kids, okay? If you're interested in that, please come and talk to me. There'll be some more information in the, in the message, in the worship handout next week on the 19th. But I ask you, if that's been going around in your head, and I'm not... I've been around the ministry and around, around God a long time to know that there are, there are very specific timing things sometimes. And sometimes God has a person for a season and they step away and He has just been ready for, just to plug that puzzle piece in. So if you're prayerfully considering that, I ask you to do so this week. And if you're interested in, in becoming the Kids Rock leader, I can, I can share with you what it, what it entails, things like that. But you come and, con- and talk, contact me after church or you can email me or... Um, and just get a hold of me, but I just want to let you guys know that, and, and I want to say something. I want to say something that I hope you hear this morning. I'm so excited to see you. I really, really am. Not because I get to talk about one of my favorite subjects. One of my favorite subjects. My favorite studying anything is history. I know some of you have already pushed the mute button. Don't push the mute button. I'm going to make this history interesting. Okay, we're going to talk about some different things this morning, but if you have your Bibles or you have your phones, in, in just a minute, not, we're not there yet, but we're going to go to, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to look at another parable that Jesus speaks of. So while you're turning to Matthew chapter 13, or you're going to look on the screen, or you're getting on your phone, we're going to take a poll. <laughs> this is where you come in. It's interactive church. All right. I'm going to ask you a question. Now, some of you may, th- may sit there with your arms crossed and go, I do not watch any of those shows, and Matt's wasting his time by doing so. Okay, just don't raise your hand. All right. Now, how many people watch Pawn Stars? Uh-huh. Yeah, all right. Okay, you can put your hands down. Storage Wars. Uh-huh. All right. 
Let's see, let's see. American Pickers. La la la. Let's see. Now, some, some of you are still sitting there. I do not watch this stuff on TV. Okay. How about this? My favorite. Now, this is not the most popular pick for a 36-year-old male that lives in Illinois. Do you know what my favorite history show is to watch on TV? Antique Roadshow. Anyone? Yeah. Now, why? What on earth? Some of you are thinking, we'll pray for you, Matt. Okay, just pray. I still watch Deadliest Catch. Amen. We got any of those people in here? No Deadliest Catch. Who watches Deadliest Catch? Come on. All right, we're five, five of us strong, okay? <laughs> but my favorite is Antique Roadshow. I'm not joking. I, I, could, I could sit down and watch it all the time. I don't care if it's Antique Roadshow America, Antique Roadshow Great Britain. I love Antique Roadshow and all the other ones. But what, is, what interests us in this? Why are we so drawn to these? I, personally, and because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get your opinion, but I'm drawn to these things because in storage wars, you never know what's going to be in there. You know, those lockers. You never know what's going to be in there. And in Pawn Stars, sometimes they come in and they have no idea what they have. Or most of the time, it's the opposite. Oh, it was my great-grandfather's. It was, uh, it, it was worth, it's worth $50,000. And they go, well, we'll give you five bucks. Because it's really not worth it. Man. If you watch American Pickers, and they get into the old, my grandpa, um, my grandpa was involved with a lot of auto parts and older stuff, and they get into those, and my father-in-law's in, in a self-serve gas business, or in a full-service gas station, and he, gas collectibles and the big signs, they really interest me. And when the American Picker guys, they get in and they find these cool things, and oftentimes they're dirty, and they clean them up. See, it's not what it's valued at sitting there in the shed, it's what it is cleaned up and pristine. I was watching my favorite show, Antique Roadshow. Some of you are are like, I have no idea how you watch this show. It's a great show. And I knew that I was talking about hidden treasure, so I I YouTubed Antique Roadshow. Most valuable finds. And this is just one of them. There's many more that are worth a lot more than this. This lady comes in and her grandparents owned a house... Late 1800s, and it was, a, it was a, like a hotel, okay? You get like bed and breakfast. And they housed something brand new to the United States. It, it was known as a baseball team. And when they housed these people, they didn't know it then, but they're now what we call the Boston Red Sox, but back then they were the Red Stockings. And they housed them in this boarding house. And it was really funny because she had a letter from the, from the guys that wrote them. Um, they kind of kept a diary and it said the food was not good. It was really funny because it's her grandparents. You know, the food wasn't good or this and this. But they signed their names. Now watch this. This is 1890s. They have autographs from the 1890 Boston Red Stockings baseball players. Along with the, the complete 15 to 20 card set of some of the first baseball cards that have ever been made. And what she thought she could get a couple thousand for, the man kind, uh, kindly and gently and very firmly said, if this was in my house, there is no way I would insure it for anything less than a million dollars. For 15 cards and a couple signatures. Now that's hidden treasure. You, now, some of you are going to go home, and well, and maybe not today because it's like 178,000 degrees. So getting in the attic today is probably not a good idea. But if you want to get into the attic, you look for this treasure, don't you? Jesus is talking in, the, in these parables today uh, about treasure. 
Anybody ever have any interest as a kid? Or maybe, did, you, did anybody make treasure maps? Like, oh, you know, you know go, to go find it, and you had the X marks this spot. And anybody interested in that when you were little? Okay, no, one person, me and, me and Sean. All right, good, good. We get together and hang out and watch TV, buddy. <laughs> we have these treasure maps. I, w- I want you to look at your worship handout. Just flip this open, look at the first blank, and look on the screen with me to fill it in. I want you to think about the most valuable thing that you own. And then I want you to ask another question. Do others see the same value in that item as you do? Some of you have heard me talk about a tie tack that to you would be worth just merely what, if, there's real, if, if it is real gold, I doubt it is. But to you, you wouldn't pay more than $10 for this tie tack. Maybe a little bit more. But to me, it's priceless because it was my grandfather's and he preached uh, in, with that tie tack on for over 40 years. And it's priceless to me. But there's something else that I came across in my kitchen this week that is priceless that you guys wouldn't... I don't know that you would take it unless you, unless you cook. Up on top of my shelf, above my sink, is a one-inch binder. In it are pieces of paper that have been copied off of original recipes. Some of my favorite things growing up, when I went over to my grandmother's house, she would make like perfect chocolate cake and slush... See, you're, you're, you're unfamiliar with these things, aren't you? So perfect child cake and slush, and they're in there. Those recipes are in there. And when my grandmother passed away, that was a gift. They went through her recipe box, and they, and they made my wife and I a binder, and made all of us grandkids one. So we would have those. Now to you, they would just be recipes. But they're my grandma's, because you know why? They're photocopied, and when I look on that piece of paper, even though it's a photocopy, do you know what it is? It's her handwriting. It's special. I have an ordination certificate at my house and a card. It's, price, it's pieces of paper, but it's priceless because of, of what my, my grandparents wrote in there when I was ordained. It, it just this beautiful stuff. See, the most valuable things in my house are not monetary. They're not. I mean, you may, you may have some valuable guns or bows or whatever. The most valuable gun that I have isn't worth a couple hundred bucks, but you know, it's most valuable. You know why? It was my grandpa's. See, it's this valuable stuff. I want you to think about the most valuable thing that you own. Now, some of you may have like the Hope Diamond in a safe in your house. And good for you. God's blessed you. Okay, I'd like to see it sometime. Actually, I've seen the Hope Diamond. That thing is huge. It's where, you know, way more than a million dollars. You need to take it to Pawn Stars, okay? So, <laughs> I want you to think about the most valuable thing that you own. Is it your car? Is it your house? What, something that you own, a possession. And now, do others see the same value in that item as you do? The only way that this is probably true that they do is if you have like a bar of gold. Okay? It, it's theoretically worth the same everywhere you go. Okay? But if it's something like that Titac or those recipes, often to somebody else it's just not valuable at all. It, monetarily. Now, it's special, but it's not, it's not worth a whole lot. We're going we're gonna to talk... Now, some of you think that this is a really... Some, some of these parts in here can be really boring, and I agree, they can be a little bit dry. But we're going to talk about a treasure hunt today. Real life. Treasure hunt. We have to remember that Jesus is speaking in metaphors here. But before we go, before we go into this, I want to remind you, as we look at this question, as we look at this statement... I want you to think about the most valuable thing that you own and do others see the same value in that item as you do? 
I'm going to be very clear and very honest. Connection doesn't cut any corners on this. And we do not water this down at all. The most unbelievably valuable possession that you can have in this life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I went by a sign. If Jesus, is ha- if Jesus is all you have, you have all you need. Exclamation point. We can see people throughout this Bible that they only had Jesus and they had enough. They had more than enough. They were, they were more than conquerors even. See, when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you enter into something that many of us will never see on this earth. You have the most valuable stock the most priceless worth of anything on this earth. Angels are jealous because we have a relationship, we we have the ability to have a relationship with God. See, having that relationship is the treasure. So how does Jesus talk about this treasure? Very strangely. Very strangely. Many of you may have read these parables and you think, oh yeah, I've read this before. Pay attention. Please pay attention. Maybe God's going to show you something different. I, my mind was blown when I read some of, this, some of this stuff today. Do you know that in southern Illinois, there are treasures? There's treasure. You know that? You can go out and find arrowheads and Indian banner stones that can be worth a lot of money. Let's get a little bit more treasure-ish. Treasure is something that you search for. In the early 1900s, the Wabash River that, that separates Illinois and Indiana up by Vincennes and Robinson and on down Lawrenceville, they used to farm that part of the river for river mussels and clams. You know what's in those every once in a while? A pearl. One of the most purest, roundest, most valuable pearls in the entire existence of this earth was found in the muddy water right by Vincennes in the early 1900s. You know where it is today? It's in the crown jewels of Queen Mary in Great Britain. Hmm, I googled it. No, it is. Really, I researched it. It's there. See, we, we don't have to go out and search for this treasure in the ground. Jesus has done a lot of the footwork for us. I want to pray for us really quick. Simple prayer. Let's pray. God, I pray that you open our eyes and our ears to learn more about you. God, we want to know you. In your name we pray. Amen. Sometimes I think we over... We we over pray. (laughs) Simple. God, I want to know this. I hope that's your prayer this morning. Look at, look at Matthew 13, 44. This is one of the coolest verses in Scripture. Why? Because it talks about treasure hunting. Okay? Now look at this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. A worker. Okay? In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now, I personally know someone that found a really great deal at something in a store. But they didn't have their wallet with them. So they took it off of that thing. Some of you are laughing because you've done this. 
And, you, and, and, and they may or may not have hid it behind everything. And then they went and got their wallet and they came back and they bought the item. Okay? Now watch. This is a very weird rule in Bible times because it makes no sense to us today. If I owned a 40-acre field and you went out to the middle of it and found a great big Indian banner stone that was worth several thousand dollars, that's mine. Why? It's on my land. Bible times was not like this. Okay? Now watch this. First of all, if you underline anything in your Bible, look at this last one. In his excitement, for the rest of it, the, the second part of this, underline this. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now, he finds this treasure. Woo! It's awesome. If you've seen Lord of the Rings, he probably acted a lot like Gollum when he had the rings. Like, he's all happy. Listen, but he, he would hide it, right? He would hide it or he would lose it. But this guy, he, he hid it again. But we need to get the last part of this verse. When he hit it again, okay, but he sold everything he owned to get enough money to go back and buy the field. Now this is going to come into play in the next couple of verses. We're going to, Jesus is going to change up a little bit. Jesus was not talking about a man that walked out into the middle of a field and found something. The reason, okay, the kingdom of God is like the treasure that the guy found. Now here's, here's the way the law worked. Say I, say I was the farmer and I owned the 40 acres and you came and worked for me. And you went out and you plowed the field and your, and, your, and your plow came up and it smacked the box. It was full of gold coins. I didn't know that was there. Guess what? It's yours. Even just outside the threshold of a person's house, if they found a treasure there and the person that owned the property did not know it was there, it was the finder's keepers. Losers, weavers, right? You imagine that? You own in a field and somebody goes out and finds a whole box full of gold coins? Would you be mad? Well, that's mine. Today we would. That's mine. I'll sue you for it. Jesus was speaking in a metaphor. He spoke this way because people would understand this would make sense to them. They, they understand about the finders, keepers. They understood it. Okay? But the treasure that the man found is the, st- is the story of the kingdom of God. Other, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, how does this play into the words? Look at the last part of the verse. If the kingdom of God is like a treasure, okay, so his relationship with Jesus Christ was so important that he did what? Look at the second half of the verse again. He sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field so he would have it. Some people would say he was obsessed with having it. He found it. It was his. Now I have a question for you. Don't answer this out loud. Do you have the same value for your relationship with Christ that this man had? Again, look at the second part. Sell everything. I'm not talking about going home and selling your, your, your collector car. I'm not talking about selling everything. I'm saying God, when God says, will you, will you? Can you give it all away? When the man found this, when he found the relationship with Christ, when he found the kingdom of God, he understood one thing. It was, it was collectively, by itself, worth more than anything else he had added all together. Your relationship with Christ today has not lost stock. It's doubled and tripled. It, it doesn't lose anything. It keeps maturing. Look at this 
I, I talked to you about I talked to you about the pearls. It was it, that, that pearl was sent was bought for somewhere to the sum twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars. I'm talking early nineteen hundred. This is a lot of money. And that that pearl was, was sold over to Great Britain to the crown jewels, and it was put on a pendant for Queen Mary, on a necklace. And we see value in things like gold and silver. Some of us have, wear gold on our fingers. Some of the ladies, you have, you have platinum or white gold or yellow gold. And you have diamonds. All these, these, these beautiful emeralds. My, that's, my, that's my birthstone. So my class ring from high school has an emerald in it. No, it really doesn't. We got a fake one because it was cheaper. So... Um, <laughs> I'm being serious. So, so, so we, we have all these things, and they're, and they're precious metals. And we start talking about pearls. And pearls, would have, they would have understood pearls in this time. So Jesus goes and talks in verse 45. Now watch this. Now he's going to switch gears on you. You have to make sure that you're paying attention. Otherwise, you will not get this. Look at verse 45. He says again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Now, this sounds exactly like the same story. Watch out. Now watch. Because the first story, it was the kingdom of God is like a treasure. This one, the kingdom of God is like the merchant. Just in telling these two stories, in three verses of Scripture, Jesus literally gives enough content to preach years on to these first church people. It says again, the king of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. The wordings change. It's not now a thing. Now it's a merchant. Now it's a person. It's Jesus. Watch this. You and I have changed places. We're no longer the farmer that finds the treasure. We're now the choice pearls. And some of us, we don't think like this about ourselves. I'm not really important. I don't, I'm not adequate. I don't really know why God created me. I don't know why I'm here. Jesus begins to speak to these people. Do you know, he was talking to people of social status that we are way above them. And he says, no, 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 no. The kingdom of God is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. Who are the pearls? You. Me. Who's the merchant? It's Jesus. Now he, the roles have switched. Isn't it? Jesus comes looking man, you know, what really excites me is, I posted something on Facebook, and the last thing that I said, I said, come as you are. It wasn't really about the song, it was like, like what Jack said, come as you are. I don't care if you're green, I don't care what color you are, I don't care what color, I don't care if you walk here, I don't care if you zip line here, I don't care if you fly here, I don't care if you have zero dollars in the bank account, or if you have a billion dollars in your assets, I don't care, Come as you are. You know why? We're all pearls. And we don't... We, see, we, we're, we're hung up on a ladder of society. We think, oh, I'm, not, I'm not the pearl. I'm more like a rotten peanut. You're a pearl. Jesus said so. That makes it true. You know that? When God says something, it's true. Man... But instead of paying attention to the pearls, pay attention to the merchant. Now everything takes a whole other spin. Look at this. It says, look at, um, look at what Jesus, the merchant, was willing to do. Okay. Like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. What was he willing 
to do. Look at verse 46. Look at this. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. This sounds so familiar. Like two verses prior, right? It sounds exactly the same, only what's the problem? What's the difference? It's now Jesus who's selling everything. It's the merchant who sold everything. How valuable are you? You think, well, I'm not a pearl, I'm a rotten peanut. Okay. Maybe you're an M&M that fell down the dashboard. I don't know what you think yourself is. You may think you're popcorn that you find in the seat cushions in the movie theater. Out of God's word, let me tell you what you are. You're a pearl. You're special. You're created. God was there at the conception of yourself. You're important. You have value. Enough value to Jesus references you to a choice pearl. We're not talking about a pearl. See, here's the deal. We, we, we make sense with, with things that we can see or put our hands on. And yeah, you can Google that thing about the pearl later and it'll show up, okay? But, but we think, wow, that's, a, oh, that's an awesome pearl. It's beautiful. Look at the dimensions of the pearl at the gate of heaven. A little bitty pearl like that doesn't mean anything. Jesus is like, no, 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 you're not that pearl. You're this pearl. If you watch really good cartoons when you were younger, it's like the pearl that Daffy Duck finds. You know what I'm talking about. That's the, that's the good one. Remember how he acted? When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Oh. While studying this, I asked myself a really tough question to answer. God, there, or maybe, maybe I just said it. God, I, sometimes I don't feel like a pearl. I'm dirty. I'm broken. I'm not shiny. I don't come in a blue box from Tiffany's. I come from a town with three stop signs and a stoplight. I'm not, I'm not worldly important. As I kept seeking God's answer on this, He said, you know, you're not, you're not worldly popular. But you're heavenly important. I will take heavenly importance over earthly importance any day. And Jesus says, you're a pearl. Think about this, man. You... We go through life and we think, oh, I'm just not worth it. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. God considers you and I so valuable that he sent Jesus Christ, his only son, to die on a cross. Why? Because you're a valuable pearl. Because he wants his valuable pearls to be with him forever. Your choice. Your choice. Choice doesn't mean good. Choice means the best. You're it. Look at the next blank on your worship hand now. Check this out. The kingdom of God is worth everything that we have. Now, well, I got so many guns that they're worth a lot of money, or I got 17 bars of gold and all this. Listen, he's not speaking physical here, he's talking metaphorical, and he says, You cannot outgive God. He said, The kingdom of God is worth everything that we have. It is. The kingdom of God. He was speaking to people. Listen, this is what you have to take. You have to take it right in context, right out of Scripture. He's speaking to people 
mouth to ears, right in front of him, that those people are going to give up everything for him because they were killed for following him. He was speaking solid biblical truth to these people right in front of them. And he says, listen, the kingdom of God is not easy, but it's worth it. When you inherit, the first breath that you take in heaven, guess what? All of the junk that you went through on earth is going to be, shoo, go away. Eternity in heaven. So that brings me to another point. If the kingdom of God is worth everything that we have, what do we owe God? What do we owe Him? There's that word again. We owe Him everything. Listen, you think about your own life. You think about your own life. I'll plug myself into this story so you don't have to talk about yourself out loud or talk about me. There is no way in the pits of where I was that I should be able to stand or even talk to God. There's no way. And some of you have similar stories. Guess what? We all have this story because it says sin separates us from God in the Bible. So if you have one sin, which we all do, okay, now we're in the same boat. You know what? I've been where I didn't have a boat. (laughs) I have been in those places and I'm telling you right now there is no way. On the way to church this morning, you don't know this. I have no reason to lie to tell you this. I'm coming over down down this road and I get ready to turn into church and I said, God... I am not here out of anything that I did. Other than choosing His way, that's the only thing that I did. I don't understand how God looks at me, a broken mess, and says, no, no, your choice. Isn't that beautiful? It's the, it's, the most, it's the most mathematical, unequivalent equation in the world. Jesus takes His holy, perfect self and He lays down His life for a scumbag like me. Literally. And you, people that are broken, we have sin, we're ugly, we're dirty, we're filthy. Yet this great equation happens. So God is deserving of everything. How valuable does God think you are? Think about that. We just talked about this. How valuable does God think you are? Look at this verse from 1 Peter. Beautifully written. Look at this. And we have a priceless inheritance. I don't care what your parents, grandparents, many, 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 many generations back have left you. I Listen, I don't care if you have infinite money of wealth. I don't care if your uncle is Bill Gates. Listen to me. This... Priceless inheritance blows whatever other inheritance can come with physical wealth on this earth to shame. (laughs) Listen, we're going to walk. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are going to walk on one of the most precious elements that this world knows. And it's just going to be under your feet. You ever thought about what? I mean, I I can't explain. I can just think and... Even John, the writer of Revelation, says, like this and like this. Can you have any possibility what it looks like to see a crystal sea? <laughs> you know, the more I preach about this, the more we think about this, you know what I want to do? I want to go there. 
You think, Matt, Matt you're only 36. Listen. A crystal seed to walk on gold, have a pearl gate, gems that encrust the walls. And you, you choice little pearl, you get to just scroll on down through heaven. What, what exchange is worth? There is no... He says, we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. What? Not only did Jesus lay down His life for me and you. What else did He do? He told His disciples, He said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Where I'm going, you can't go. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. We even have a dwelling place in a place of perfection. Why? Because God says you're important. Man, we don't get that. Women especially. Listen, this world degrades you. They put up posters of scantily clad beings of you. And I want to tell you something. That's disgraceful. You're a, you are a choice pearl. I try to treat my wife, and I'm not always... I'm guilty of messing up. I try to treat my wife so good that if something happens to me, she can't find anybody better. No, in order for her to... If something happens to me, man, it would be selfish of me to have her not... We have, we have children. But if something were to happen to me, I want that person that she would be attracted to to understand that he, that he follows God in a way that she's attracted to. Do you see what I'm saying? To be able to take care of my children. You're, you're, you're good. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just said a couple months ago that we're not good. Oh, you're good. We're covered by the blood of Christ. You're perfect. You're pearls. It says, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Look at this word. Name one thing that you have in your house that's completely 100% pure. I'll answer for you right now. There isn't anything. Well, I have... I have... <laughs> Okay, I do have a couple things. I, I'm sorry. I have a friend that, that, has, that has deer sense, and he has, he has real deer pee, and it is real. And some of you are like, oh, that's gross. Well, okay. But there are, there are not any things that are manufactured by man. Look, they, they look, look at gold. They take gold out of the ground. What do they do with it? They melt it. And what flows to the top? The impurities. On its own, it's not even pure. Look at this. It's undefiled. It's not messed with. It's not tampered with. Beyond the reach of change and decay. No glasses, no cancer, no sickness, no cavities, no weight gain from eating Oreos. All of these things, listen, all of these things are provided for us, just to us. Look at your worship handout, look at this. Now when they farmed pearls, they had to farm from there. They would rake the bottom with these great big long metal arms and they would rake the bottom of the river. And they would catch these pearls, or these, these clams and these mussels, and they would open them up, and they would see if there's any pearls in them. You know what a pearl starts from? This is awesome. A grain of sand. And just gets washed over and over and over and over. Ta-da! It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. Like, like a pearl has to be sought out, and like the parable's true meaning, the kingdom of God must be sought out intentionally. I told you that the meaning of these, the meaning of these parables, when Jesus originally said them, would have went... They would have grasped the story, but the spiritual concepts behind them would not have been, oh yeah, I know this. It wouldn't have been like that. That's why he says, you need to seek 
me. Listen, if your relationship with Jesus and with, with God, your, your relationship with God is, is great, you've been a Christian for a long time, I told you last week that you should be one thing. You should be a catfish. And some of you laughed, and I said, no. Because a catfish, die, whenever he dies, is when he stops growing. That should be the same way as the spiritual life of a Christian. We should keep growing. Keep growing. Many of us are brand new. Some of us are brand new to this God thing. Many, maybe you don't even know who God is. Maybe, you, maybe you're not convinced that God is real. I ask, I just, I, I, I'm going to talk to you in this, just a second. Community loving at the ballpark this past week. I know, some of you were mad at me. Well, you didn't tell us, so we're not going to show up. Okay, fine. But we went to the ballpark, I'll tell you now. We went to the ballpark, and we handed out tickets. They were good for $1 to the concession stand. That's it. Now you, you well, I didn't miss much. Now watch. I'm not getting you a guilt trip if you didn't, if you weren't able to make it. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, by the purchasing of a paper ticket and handing it to someone that you got to get a dollar's worth of credit at a concession stand, you have no idea the conversations that we had. It is. Inc- it was incredible. People of connection showed that God loved them. We went out with red paper tickets. And you know what we said every time we gave him one? And we didn't do this literally, but we were saying this metaphorically. You're a pearl. You're special. God loves you. Many people don't even believe that. We were, we were, we were telling these people, one lady that I talked to, one, just one. I only had time for one story. One. I gave this lady... Five tickets. Oh, we were trying to get done, Matt. No, she had two kids. Chill. She walked up and I said, hey. I said, you guys just getting here to the ballpark? She goes, yeah. I said, going to the concession stand. And, she, and by this time, she already thinks that I'm weird. And uh, I said, you going to the concession stand? She goes, she goes yeah. Because <laughs> it's like right there. And I said, I said well, we just are we were doing something tonight and we just want to let you know that God loves you. I said, these are good for $1 a piece. You know what she said? I've never won anything in my life. (laughs) Nobody ever gives me anything. If you don't think that we literally reached out and touched people and said, you're pearls, you're nuts. Said, you're good. (laughs) You are a choice pearl. You are what the merchant is seeking Jesus is seeking to have that relationship with you. And those people that don't understand that, look at the screen. Look at verse 7 in Matthew chapter 7. We're looking at 7 and 8. Look at this. You say, I don't know about God. I don't even know if He's real. I challenge you to do this. People that have a good relationship, I challenge you to do this. Look at this. It says, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Sweet. Some of you are going to go home, you're going to get on your knees, you get on your face maybe. You're so desperate. You get on your face, spread your arms out, and say, dear God, Matthew 7, 7 says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. So I asked for a Lamborghini Diablo to come just show up at my house. That's completely wrong. He's talking about the asking in like Psalms 37, 4. Where if you seek God, He will change your heart. And His heart and your heart will match and that will become the desires of your heart. He's not talking about a Lamborghini. He says this. He says, you keep asking me. Some of us have not heard an answer for a prayer. I've been praying for one of my friends. Man. I just realized this the other day. In May, I have been praying for a guy named John McCarroll for 15 years. 
15. And one day, it hasn't happened yet, one day he's going to call me and say, Matt, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. One day it's going to happen. But until that does, I'm going to do this. And some of you have children that you've prayed for like this. This is it. You have to keep on asking. Like the merchant sought, you have to seek God. You have to seek God for answers. Listen, you keep on seeking and you will find it. That's a promise. He goes on, keep on knocking and the door will be open for you. Some of you have, you're looking for a job. You need a different job. You need to make more money. You need it for, for, for needs, not, not for just pride. You have serious needs. I want to challenge you. Look at this. Keep knocking. Bang the knocker off the door. Seek God, knock on that door like you've never sought Him before. Why? Why? Because He answers this already. He says, if you keep seeking Me, you're going to find Me. If you're going to seek this, you're going to find Me. Look at verse 8. For everyone who asks, receives. I'm not talking about a car. And sometimes God does not part, to, to, to quote that song, some, sometimes God does not part that water like we want Him to. Sometimes He does allow bad things to happen to people that we love. But guess what? In the end of things, there's one thing. He's still God. He's still sovereign God of the universe. He can't do anything incorrect. We think He is, but we use our minds. We're not Him. Everyone who seeks finds. There's a, again, two times in two verses. He said, just ask me. Seek me, you're going to find. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. To everyone that will knock, the door will be opened. Things that are hidden. Relationship with God is not a hidden thing. You can accept that. But if you want to know more about God, He says, I want you to, I want you to test me. I want you to dig into my word. I want you to find out who I am. Moses got so wrapped up in talking with, having a conversation with God. God says, you ask me anything you want. I love this. Moses goes, okay, I want to see you. Now we all know that he can't. Because it would kill him. But he, he, he just goes for it. He says, man, I'm at the door. I'm swinging with a big hammer. I want to see you. When have we, when's the last time that we have gotten on our knees and said, God, I want to see you move in the lives of my family. God, I, I pray... I pray for my daughters to be protected by God's hand. And whenever they have that opportunity, that they respond to His calling them, His convicting them, and one day He's going to call them, I just pray that they use Him, that God uses them in His, in His church somewhere. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Look at the next blank on your... I'm sorry. Look at verse 13 in 1 Corinthians 12. Another one. It says, Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. And he's talking to a vast majority of people. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Now, why, why would we go? Why would we jump from 1 Peter over here? Because I want to mention something. At Connection, we seek to do one thing. To honor God. In everything that we do. I put that we're a relaxed church and we seek to be relevant in our community. Absolutely, 100% true. We handed out concession stand tickets. We'll do whatever it takes short of sinning to share the love of Christ with people. I promise. Anything short of sinning, we will do. We've handed out Barbie dolls. 
We've handed out free gas. Free gas really gets people's attention. Why? What's it cost? What are you doing? Is there a credit card? Do I get a t-shirt? What are all these things? So we all have different backgrounds in this church. We come from completely different worlds on this planet. Some of you are raised very wealthy. Some not. Some middle. Some of you worked a really hard life. Some of you have not worked a really hard life. Some of you have, are going to enjoy retirement financially. Some of you are going to struggle. Listen, we're all different. Different relationships with our kids. Different relationships with our mates. Some of us have been divorced. Some of us haven't. Some of us have never been married. But a collective one group, this is what we do as a group. We don't pull separate ways because we're, we're used to doing separate things. We grab onto the same rope. Everybody gets a hold of it and we go the same way. It was cool. We talk, Jason and Ken talked with the, the guys that were, the guy and the lady that were running the, the concession stands at the ballparks. And we were kind of scared because it was the first time, it was the first time they ever let anybody do this. And we're thinking, man, don't mess this up, don't mess this up, don't mess this up. And you know what they said? This was cool. This ran smooth. This was neat. Pulling the same way. It was cool. It was cool. The group, the group that I was with it was just so diverse. Yet we were doing one thing. Here's a concession stand ticket. We just want to tell you that God loves you. That's it. That's it. You're a choice pearl. Look at your worship handout. Look at this. For those of you that are searching, look at this. A true relationship with Christ is an exchange of all we are for all Christ is. This is the most messed up math question in the whole entire universe. I do not deserve to even be able to talk to God. But because Jesus paid the price for my sins and I have accepted that, the Bible says that I'm a co-heir with Jesus. There is no math problem on the world that makes any more nonsense than this. He took your dirty peanut self, like me, and He made you a pearl. This is the, this is the wildest exchange in the history of the world. A true relationship with Christ is an exchange. We're willing to give up everything for Him. We're willing to seek. Why? Because we used to be a peanut. A rotten one. I was. You remember that? And God moved in your life. And He, he said, oh, I sought you, my precious little pearl. I sought you. I sought you. And now, this exchange, we get all of Christ is. And He, t- this is, think about this. We talked about baseball cards earlier. My favorite player in the world was Ozzie Smith, okay? But his cards aren't that valuable. I have almost 200 of just him. And I have, I have a baseball card. This is a 1979 rookie, okay? He play, came in the major league with the Padres. But say I know somebody that has a 1952 Mickey Mantle, conservatively worth about $35,000. I want to put it into perspective. This would be like me saying, hey, here's a card that's worth about 40 bucks on a good day. But I really like the player. And I would like to trade you even straight up for that Mickey Mantle. And it's like the person that has the Mickey Mantle gives me the Mickey Mantle, then he gives me another one. That's about how insane this is. Just so our minds can work. And it's not even, it's not even close. This exchange is just wild. You will see God move in your life when you realize... How bad of a peanut you were. Don't dwell on it. It's the past. You're forgiven. Move on. But when you realize where you've came from, man, 
Wow, look at this. If you remember, if you if you've been a part of Connection for a long time, do you remember? See, I wasn't even a member of Connection. I was since we launched, but there were meetings before I was there. Mike cut out paper with lyrics the first time I led worship at Connection. We've got three screens in here. We're in two services. We set up two trailers every Sunday, up and down. We talked about that when we, when we got together and we met before we went out to the... To the uh, to the ballparks, and, we, and somebody said, well, I, I really miss setting up that stage. And somebody said something I had not thought of in several years, and they said, until we got the ice that Sunday. And if you remember that, Bob Gentry's truck went up and then just came right back down with that trailer on it. And we, <laughs> we laid hands on it, prayed, and said, dear God, please get this thing out of here. It was dangerous, but you remember these things. And as we continued to move, as we continued to grow, things changed. God was moving. Guess what? Now, people, connection has reached more people than it did in its first year. We're seeing visitors and people just come into the parking lot, walk through the door. Because they said, wow, I heard this is the place where you can just come as you are. I don't care if you're green. <laughs> because God, Jesus, exchanged His love for me, and if he can do that for me, he can do that for any single person in this world because I was rotten. Without Christ, I still am. Are we willing to give up? Because we're so thankful. What are we willing to do? Understand this. Jesus gave his perfect life. Listen to this. Jesus gave his perfect life for our mess of one. You and I both know that on our own we've made a mess of everything. But Jesus literally traded His perfect life for our mess. If you're struggling today in addiction, in depression, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I have seen God do too many things just in me to know that you're not out of reach. You're never out of reach. I don't care what you're struggling with. I don't care who it is. Relationships, money, I don't care. I don't, I don't care because there's nothing more powerful than a relationship with God. It goes back to one of, my, one of my favorite old hymns. Love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. I was sinking. Sometimes I felt I was underwater. I was under that mire. I was under the muck. I was under, I was under the blue mud on the bottom of Rin Lake, which is nasty. It is. And I was there. And my God sent His Son to die for me. And he, he gave in exchange a perfect life for my messed up one. And He changed me. God can change you. I don't care where you are. There's some people that have talked with me this week that there's some serious stuff going on. Illness. There's cancer. There's people that know all these things. You, you know these people that are suffering from this. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just going to collectively, we're all going to pray. I told you we were pulling on one rope. If you want to pray whenever I pray as we dismiss here in a second, you do that. You, you find that person in your head. Maybe they're suffering from, maybe it's you. Do you know every time... <laughs> You close your eyes. You talk 
to a being that spoke this planet into existence. Our issues that we think are so huge to God are not. He's God. If you're dealing with pain, hurt, sickness, we're getting ready to talk to a a God that empowered men to raise people from the dead. He can do it all. If He chooses to, it's different. He's God. But if you have someone in your life right now that's really struggling with, maybe they struggle with this. Maybe they struggle with, they don't know, they don't realize that they are a pearl. Maybe that's you. Understand this today. You are special. So special that the Holy Spirit moves to convict you, to pull you back. Hey, come here. Come here. As I pray, if there's a specific hurt that you have, you pray along with me. We're going to pull on one rope, alright? We're going to talk to one guy pulling on one rope. So if you want to, you bow your head, you begin to pray for those people. As I pray, God, we thank you so much for today. I don't care about what the temperature is. I'm thankful to have breath in my lungs. God, you have called us into a relationship that is more valuable than any possession on earth. Anything that we could ever imagine. It's worth the hurt. God, right now, we understand greatly that you are the great physician. You can heal. God, you can, you can bring restoration. You can, bring, you can be that hand that reached down and pulled that person out of depression, pulled them out of this, this stuff, this illness, this sickness, this whatever it is. God, and as, as some of these people pray in this room for those specific people, I ask God that you use those people in this, these people in this room to show those other people how special they are. That you seek them like the merchant. You're seeking those pearls. You're seeking to heal their body. God, we ask you, if there's some serious illness, God, we just ask that you lay your hand on that and heal them. We ask you, God, that you, that you, that you heal their heart, you heal their relationship. And if you don't answer a prayer like we think it should be, let us completely understand that although we may think it's unfair, you are still God and you have not messed up because you can't. God, we love you. Thank you for this opportunity to come together to pull on one rope. God, to realize, to realize what you've done for us and how important that is. In your name we pray. Amen.